You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Rockets, your home for podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. And wow, what a 24 hours it's been. Not even really 24 hours, because free agency just started at 11 p.m. last night, Houston time. But it has been an incredibly eventful span for the Rockets. Even though they got the Chris Paul deal wrapped up early, they have still been very active on several fronts. Some good, some bad. So even though it's a Saturday, I figured this would be an appropriate time. Just, just do a quick update on where things stand after the first day or so of free agency and what the things to watch are from here. The biggest thing that we thought was done just before free agency opened on Friday night was the re-signing of Nene, four-year, $15 million deal. The length of the deal is a little unusual for a guy who's 34 years old, but it didn't really seem to be a big deal because the annual amount's so low. That's an absolute dream deal for the Rockets. Well, unfortunately, the Rockets apparently found out on Saturday that the deal is not legal. There's an over 38 provision to the new collective bargaining agreement. It used to be over 36. We've talked about that some in recent weeks because of the Chris Paul trade. I didn't think it would apply to Nene because he is 34 now at the start of the new league year. Basically, the NBA's fiscal year starts on July 1st. And as with most businesses, generally things are tied to the start of the new fiscal year. So signing a four-year deal, that would mean the last year, the fourth and final season of it, he would be 37 years old when the fiscal starts. And to me, that would not make the uh, 38 and over rule apply to him. Apparently, the NBA has a different judgment, although uh, Daryl Morey certainly could appeal, and we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But what what the bottom line is for now with the Rockets and Nene is that the original deal for, for 15 isn't really valid. Apparently, he wanted that security. It's definitely a lower annual amount than than he could have gotten on the open market. But I think he sees the longevity as a way to get the kind of guaranteed money he would want. It's a similar principle to what you're going to see in San Antonio with Pau Gasol opting out of his one-year contract to sign a multi-year deal, but at a lower annual base. It's the same principle as that. Apparently, then they would like a, a you know a bigger guarantee, so he got the fifteen million, and now the new offer would basically be three years, ten point nine million would be the maximum Houston could offer under the non bird exception without dipping into their mid level exception money, and at least at this time, Nene is unwilling to sign that or commit to signing that because no one can officially sign until July sixth, and there are a lot of conclusions you can draw according to various people across the free agent landscape, national media. Nene has kind of returned to the market and he's open to having contact with other teams. I don't think he's upset with the Rockets because this is a genuine mistake. And it's not even like a mistake you can say, well, Daryl Morey should have seen this coming. I, quite frankly, I can't think of many, if any, precedent related to this. I think it's easily understandable why the Rockets and Daryl Morey would make that mistake. I would make the same mistake myself. Reading the CBA, the way it's written, I would assume that everything's relative to the new fiscal year in which the fourth and final year, Nene would be... Uh, 37 years old, not 38. And I get that Nene has hard feelings. He's justified because he thought he was going to get $15 million in guaranteed money. And instead, uh, the maximum he can be offered using that is 10.9. So I get that he's upset. But I think what we need to point out is that he's probably upset with the situation, not the Rockets. And so hopefully over time, 
cooler heads will prevail because the alternative, if Nene wants to get more than three years, 10.9 million, he can't get a four-year deal. So he wants to get closer to that 15 in guaranteed money. Then the only way the Rockets could do that would be to dip into their mid-level exception money, which unfortunately would take away money that the Rockets may have earmarked for someone else on the free agent market. So that's why you have to watch what happens in the days ahead. That's the, the most relevant situation to the Rockets because that could have a direct impact to what they can do in this initial wave of free agency. I think we all agree that Nene is very important to them. He fits in beautifully in the clubhouse. Great culture guy. And of course, he's an excellent backup center, even at 35 years old, which he will be next season, his birthday in September, then he's still one of the best backup centers in the league, capable of giving you 15 to 20 very, very quality minutes a night. So if he were to leave, yeah, it would be a hole at the backup center spot. The reality is I don't think he's going to leave. We heard from Mark Spears of ESPN who broke the story that the Nene original agreement was off, said that the Rockets are optimistic that they will keep him. And I think the Rockets realize that even if they have to dip into their mid-level exception, Nene is still a value. He is very important to the team, and whether they can get him at the three-year, $10.9 million that's, that's available with the non-bird, or if they can go into the mid-level exception money, he's still a really good value that they cannot afford to let get away. So I don't think we're talking about Nene potentially leaving the team. I think the relationship is good. I don't think Nene is upset with them, nor are the Rockets upset with Nene. Everyone's justified. It's just an unfortunate situation, and I think it's pretty clear that something is going to work out for Nene to stay in Houston. The question is, can they do it while keeping the majority of their mid-level exception open to spend on the open market to further bolster the depth on their roster? That's the question. That's what you have to watch in the days ahead. But I think the easiest thing to do, give it a couple of days. Let's see if cooler heads prevail, and hopefully um, he'll take the one less year and trust that, you know, if he's still playing in three years, I'm sure the Rockets will be more than happy to give him a one-year deal for $4 million to make up that difference. Les Alexander is an excellent owner, and the Rockets are known for treating their, their well, stars right. And I know Nene isn't a star in a typical sense, but he's certainly a big name, very important to the fabric of the locker room. And I don't think that this needs to derail the deal to where he needs to go into the mid-level exception. So hopefully give it a little bit of time, cooler heads prevail, and the Rockets will still have most of their mid-level exception money to spend uh, elsewhere on further bolstering the depth on this team. Now, the other big thing, or well, I shouldn't say big thing, but the one piece that's actually done it's been rumored for weeks that the Rockets are going to sign Joe Chi out of China, and apparently that is now official. They've come to an agreement on a deal uh, bringing him over for this upcoming season. Seven foot two, uh, very long, uh, very fluid player offensively, has range out to the three-point line in previous contests with the U.S. Kevin Durant has praised him as having a lot of potential. If you watch his film, you'll even see a great Euro step out of him. A lot of potential. Unfortunately, they had to dip into their mid-level exception money to sign him to a four-year deal. Now, the upside is that he's probably signing for the minimum, so it's not a huge hit to their mid-level exception, just a very, very small part of it. But ultimately, it does reduce just a little bit what they can offer the mid-level exception. That in and of itself, not a big deal. But then if you also have to offer a certain chunk to Nene, then yeah, all of a sudden that could be uh, fairly dicey. But for now, just the chief thing. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal, and it's probably the right decision for the Rockets. It's unfortunate to take any money away from your mid-level exception that you could use on veterans now. But A, it's such a small portion, and B, if you have any hope at all, and the reports are that you know he's quite a talent, then not signing him with a mid-level exception to a two-year deal is basically begging for him to get poached at the end of year two 
on some sort of heavily backloaded deal like what's likely to happen with the Spurs and Jonathan Simmons this summer. The two-year deal just really, really makes it difficult for you to control his long-term future, whereas a four-year deal, even at a relatively small amount, it gives you full control over his future the same way you would have with a rookie, the same way Clint Capella, even entering year four, the Rockets aren't really sweating his contract situation because they have full control over it moving forward. So at the end of the day, giving up a small portion of the mid-level exception is probably worth it if you have any hope at all in Joe Chi. And from all the talent reports that I've read, he looks um, like quite a prospect. So I think that's probably worth it. And it's nice to just, like I said, get him to Houston. Is he ready to make an impact immediately in November 2017? I don't know about that. But the biggest thing get him on the floor in the summer league, hopefully, and then, of course, get him in the weight room, get him on your nutrition plan, work with him on his body, because the talent base is certainly there, the fundamentals are excellent, it's just a matter of having him continue to put on weight in a responsible manner, and if he can, yeah, he can absolutely be, at worst, a rotation player in the NBA, and there are plenty of people that I respect who think he can be a starting quality player in the NBA in time. So even though you dip a little bit into your mid-level exception money, which at max would have been about $8.5 million a year, it's probably um, a small price worth paying to keep Joe Chi over the long haul. And with the Rockets losing a lot of depth of late, especially in the Chris Paul trade, yeah, it's nice to have another young prospect because certainly you lost Sam Decker and Montrezl Harrell. Two forwards aren't perfect, but they're young, talented guys who could evolve over time. Well, hopefully uh, Joe Chi is another guy you can slide in there. not saying he's a carbon copy of either of those guys because he's not, but he is a long forward very lanky with potential, and so hopefully he's someone you can put on the end of your bench and even use him in a pinch by the end of the season um, should he develop the way you hope he does. Now, I'm going to turn to the more fun stuff. Let off with Nene and Joe Chi because those are the two truly concrete situations we have. The rest is the rumor bill. I'm going to get at the very end of the Paul George trade, but I think none of us were really expecting him to come to Houston at this point in time. It was fun to think about, but especially when the Rockets had to use some of their assets to complete the Chris Paul trade early. I think we knew the Rockets weren't near the forefront of that, although uh, neither should have Oklahoma City should not have been either, given the ridiculously low package that they gave up. But we'll get to that um, towards the back of the show. For now, I want to concentrate on the meetings the Rockets had, most notably today with Andre Iguodala. We also heard that they kicked the tires on J.J. Redick and uh, Serge Ibaka, although they did uh, lose Redick to the 76ers. I'm not convinced that the Rockets were ever that heavily involved in Redick. I think they would have liked to have had him if he would sign for an incredibly nice rate, aka, you know, one year for, the, or, or well, no, I mean, sorry, the one year deal is with Philly because they gave him the bloated $23 million figure. I think if Redick would have signed for the mid level exception, he would have been such a value that they would have done it. But I think with Eric Gordon already in place, likely coming off the bench, the skill sets is duplicated a little bit there. I think the Rockets would prefer uh, a guy they invest more heavily in, aka $10 million plus, to have a little bit more versatility than Reddick uh, than Reddick gives you. So I think that's someone who they would have loved in an ideal world uh, if he was willing to come for the right spot, uh, the right spot from a salary perspective. But at the rate that he got from Philadelphia, that wasn't going to be feasible. Serge Ibaka, same thing. I don't think they're crazy about him. I think he would fill a need. But ultimately, Toronto's probably going to offer more than the mid-level exception, which is what Houston can offer right now. And as far as anything, Houston's in a unique place because I feel like the most obvious name for them 
if they go anything bigger than mid-level guys is Carmelo. That's felt the most likely ever since the Chris Paul trade for a number of reasons. But because of that pursuit, it's tough to fit a guy like Serge Ibaka or J.J. Redick into that same general $20 million tier, which we know is what they're looking for likely on an annual amount or even a little bit under. It's hard to make the salary cap work to add a player like that to Houston after the Chris Paul trade unless you're able to get Ryan Anderson out. And if you're moving Ryan Anderson, my opinion is that the Rockets are shooting a little bit bigger than the J.J. Redick, Serge Ibaka tier. So while those guys are nice, at the same time, there's no real way to make the math work unless you move Ryan Anderson. And maybe that's possible. I'll get to it momentarily. But I think if the Rockets do that, it's for something bigger, namely Carmelo. And we have heard the Rockets have touched base with the Knicks in recent days about him. So I think that's why ultimately the Rockets, some of these guys, they took flyers on, but realistically, they never thought they were really in the ballgame for those guys because they weren't willing to give up Ryan Anderson or give up potentially the assets, such as a future first-round pick or two, to move him when they think that ultimately down the line he could be the piece to getting Carmelo or another potential star of that level. So I think that's why Redick Ibaka, I think they kept tabs on him because if they sign at a lower rate, that's fantastic. But aside from that, I don't think it made sense for the Rockets to invest heavily in them. Now... Andre Iguodala, that's a little bit of a different situation. First off, even though he's a swingman like J.J. Redick, I think he fits more because Iguodala, as a defensive stopper, he fits defensively so much better. There's so much more versatility. He can guard so many different spots that even if you have a lot of wings already and you don't have that much depth up front, Iguodala gives you so much flexibility because you can legitimately play small ball with him, whereas I don't think you can with J.J. Redick. So I think that's one reason why... in an in some worlds, the Rockets would be willing to invest for Iguodala in a way they wouldn't with Redick just because he gives you more uh, versatility. Now, the hard part with Iguodala, the Rockets, again, it's the same math as everything else. They've essentially got their mid-level exception. We know they could have possibly used up to $11 million by all these non-guaranteed contracts they've gotten in recent days, although that would require Golden State's cooperation in a sign-and-trade, and I highly doubt they're willing to do that to the team that's probably the uh, second-best team in the entire NBA by talent. I highly doubt they're willing to uh, do the Rockets' favor, especially when it would be hurting them. I think, realistically, the Rockets knew Iguodala was a long shot. I think they would have loved if it worked out. I think the real motivation was to essentially make Golden State pay as much as they can, and apparently they are. It looks like right now Iguodala has not accepted the Golden State offer, but from what we've read, the reports, it looks like it's going to be between 13 and $15 million for three years, and especially that third year when, I think that's when either Clay or Draymond is due for an extension, that could be some pretty hefty luxury tax penalties. So I think the Rockets, yeah, they would love if it worked out, and apparently the meeting went excellent, and as I'm recording this podcast, Podcast at about five o'clock, he hasn't ruled the Rockets out. However, for a lot of reasons, because the Rockets can only offer the mid-level exception, the Warriors are unlikely to help them in a sign and trade. And even if the, the Warriors were willing to help them in a sign and trade, they still couldn't match the thirteen to fifteen million dollar offer that the Warriors uh, allegedly are ready to make. I think that was one of those things. You know, you'll take your shot if you're the Rockets. Maybe you get lucky and things click really well. You never know what can happen in those rooms. And then if it doesn't, 
Well, at the very least, you've helped Golden State, your main competition, pay more and hopefully muddied up their uh, luxury tax picture in the years ahead. It's worth a shot because if it somehow works out, well, you add a great defender and you also kind of cut the legs out from under your main competition. Him leaving would be a big blow to Golden State. Ultimately, I think uh, Golden State's made it clear they don't want him to leave. They know he's a key piece. Kevin Durant said he'll even take less money to help facilitate it. So it was always a long shot. Worth it for the Rockets. Uh, At this point, I'd be very happy if it worked out. But it does feel like a little bit of wishful thinking at this point. And the interesting thing, after it looked like that, uh, or I shouldn't say it ever looked like that he was signing with the Rockets, but there was some hope, I would say mid-afternoon, there hadn't been any reports of his to be offered from the Warriors at that time. Uh, a lot of Rockets fans, there were people getting their hopes up because he canceled all of his meetings after it. And I think the bottom line is that he canceled all his meetings because the Rockets gave him the leverage that he needed. But I think a lot of folks were hoping, as, and I don't blame you, because hope is a good thing. And if Andre Iguodala somehow joined the Rockets, I'd be overjoyed with it. But at that point, it looked like he might be the defensive addition. And instead, what it looks like is that the defensive addition, at least in the short term, could be uh, Iman Shumpert of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And a lot of folks initially met the news with skepticism. And if you've followed me on Twitter, I've been trying to talk folks off the ledge. The reason for it is essentially the Rockets are getting Iman Shumpert for free. They're not giving away any assets. They're essentially giving up the non-guaranteed contracts that they've been accumulating the last few days before the league year ended when the Rockets were under the cap before acquiring Chris Paul. They got those non-guaranteed contracts, with they, which they can aggregate in a trade because they acquired them under the cap. And at some point, the Rockets had to do that else they would eventually lose the players when they had to consolidate the roster. Because at some point, of course, you have to consolidate the roster from 20 down to 15. And, well, 15 plus, you know, a couple of two ways now. But in addition to that, even if you didn't, you could point out and say, well, you don't have to do that until training camp. Well, yeah, but I'm sure the Rockets would also rather free up some of their 20-man spots now so that they can acquire prospects they actually like uh, over the summer. Guys they see on the summer league team that they're encouraged by, I'm sure they'd like to keep a couple around and see what happens in training camp. The bottom line with these non-guaranteed, it was always a very short-term solution to see if they could help you in any in any trade over the very, very near term. And a lot got written about that it was like having an $11 million exception because you could potentially trade for a player of that amount with those non-guaranteed salaries. However, with free agents, it was always a long shot because it would require the cooperation of the original team, which is not easy to do, especially if it's someone like Andre Iguodala, who's playing for the Rockets' primary competition. And then beyond the you know, the help angle from a trade, the player would also not have to make more than $11 million. And in this new NBA salary cap environment, $11 million does not really move the needle for true impact guys. So it's one of those things, everybody's tempted by the promise of the unknown But the reality is that it was hyped up a little too much. Those $11 million non-guaranteed contracts, it sounds nice because abstractly you can say, oh, we can use these on anybody. We can have this huge trade for so-and-so. But the reality, they weren't going to be held forever because they are uh, holding up roster spots that I'm sure the Rockets would rather use on prospects they actually like. And beyond that, $11 million is not really enough to move the needle for a free agent of any significance or a trade target of any significance. And, you know, in theory, you could 
you know, pool them with someone else on your roster. But one of the problems right now, the Rockets don't have much filler on their roster. They shipped out most of the filler in the Chris Paul trade. Right now, you have Eric Gordon at $13 million, and he's very essential. He's a very good player, a very good contract. I don't think they want to lose him unless it's an absolute stud in a trade. So you can't really do that. And then Ryan Anderson at $19 million. Well, A, Ryan's enough by himself without the non-guarantees for to get a guy like Carmelo or anyone else. And secondly, it seems like no one wants to take Ryan. So there's just no reason to hold on to those guys just to hold on. And so that's why they're making the Amon Shumpert deal if they do. Now, I should say as they're recording it, it says that they've seriously discussed the deal. It's not done. My guess is that the Rockets are kind of doing it as a last call. They'll go around the league one last time, including the Warriors with Iguodala, see what happens, and you never know. Maybe they get lucky, and for whatever reason, the Warriors say, hey, Iguodala's meant a lot to us, and if he wants to go to Houston, let's help him get the most money he can. I doubt that happens. I doubt it happens to anybody else, but the Rockets, it's probably a last call situation to see if they can use it. But if it doesn't work out and they have to do the deal for Shumpert, I don't mind it. I know a lot of folks because, you know, he's a popular punching bag because he played poorly in the finals. But over the course of the season, he's a guy who plays good defense. You can't have enough, you know, wings who can defend. Right now, Trevor Rees is probably the only one that the Rockets have at the uh, wing spots with any kind of length. He's a good, solid wing defender. And his three-point shooting actually uh, increased to 36% this year, which is above average. So... If you have a guy that can defend wings at a high rate and can shoot 36% from three, there are worse things to do with 10 to 15 minutes of your rotation. I mean, this is a team, the Rockets, that started 31-9 and last year with Corey Brewer in that role, a worse defender and a significantly worse shooter. So Shumpert, he's a popular punching bag because he plays with the Cavaliers who lost the finals and everyone wants someone to blame but the reality is he's a productive rotation player. He did have a lot of success with Mike D'Antoni in New York, knows the system well, and there are worse things to do if you're going to fill out your bench. And essentially, you know, the Rockets are getting him for free. They're just using the non-guaranteed contracts. They're not giving up draft picks, not giving up any assets. So I would not turn down Amon Shumpert for free. In theory, I would love to use those non-guaranteed contracts for something more valuable, but in my opinion, it's just not really realistic when you look at the actual math and what the options are now. So no, I wouldn't turn down Amon Shumpert for free. And even though now the Rockets are above the cap team, if they trade for Shumpert, they can't uh, use him in tandem with any other players in a trade offer for 60 days. Down the road, his $10 million salary, he makes $10 million next year, and then he's got a player option for $11 million the next year. But that salary can potentially be very useful as filler in trades. Because as I said earlier, one problem the Rockets have right now is they are extremely top-heavy with their roster from a salary perspective. Of course, they have Chris Paul and James Harden, who are untouchable. Ryan Anderson, at $20 million, I think they would move, but it seems right now teams aren't willing to trade for him. And then beyond that, you have Eric Gordon at 13, and who I guess you could move, but it would take a great deal because he's essential. And then after that, quite frankly, you have a lot of really, really cheap salaries. So if you're trying to trade for a guy in the 15 to $20 million range, which is what most quality guys, potential third stars make at a bare minimum these days in the new NBA salary cap market, there's not a real way for the Rockets to do that. It's hard to make the math work. That's why moving on for Ryan Anderson this summer is so essential because there is no other way for the Rockets to get to that figure. It's just mathematically impossible. So having a guy like Shumpert, 
consolidating those non-guaranteed assets into a $10 million salary, besides the fact that Schumper can be a decent 3 and D bench guy, nothing special, but he can be a solid rotation player for 10 to 15 minutes, some familiarity with D'Antoni. The other benefit to him is that rather than lose those non-guaranteed guys, because eventually you're going to have to consolidate the roster, you get a $10 million salary that you can use down the road to help you fill out proposals for someone else if you aren't able to get your star this summer. So it helps you on multiple levels. There's no real downside. I think a lot of people are frustrated by it because everybody sees those $11 million non-guarantees and thinks, you know, that's the ticket to getting a star. But the reality is, it wasn't the ticket. To get a third star, the Rockets are going to have to move Ryan Anderson because you're going to need a lot more than $11 million in the modern NBA to get a player of the magnitude the Rockets are searching for. So whether they acquire Shumpert or not, that's not really going to move the needle on the type of big move that I know we all want to see to kind of complete this Chris Paul, James Harden super team. So to me, I get that Shumpert's underwhelming when we've been talking about names like Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, et cetera, et cetera, even Andre Iguodala today. But the thing you guys have to remind yourselves is these concepts, they're completely different playing fields. Acquiring him on Shumpert does not do anything to diminish your odds of doing those other things. It's just a completely independent move. And honestly, down the road, if you aren't able to do it now, it may actually help you acquire a third star because you can use that salary in trades. So my take on the Shumpert, I'm not overly excited about him, but I also see no reason to worry about it. Seems like a capable addition. He'd add a little bit more depth. He'd give the Rockets a second wing defender. Um, nothing special, but at the end of the day, there's no real cost other than these non-guaranteed contracts to get him. So it, it's just a no-lose proposition. I think the Rockets are going to make one more call around the league on Andre Iguodala, anyone else in free agency, to see if they might can use those um, assets any other way. But if not, Shumpert's fine. He'll help your team, and there's no real cost. Now, beyond that, spent the first 25 minutes talking about uh, the more concrete rumors that we've had, the meetings that the Rockets have been on with Iguodala, uh, Jochi, and Nene, their situations, the Shumpert rumor. By the way, Shumpert rumor first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, now of ESPN. Feels weird to say that, but let's give him credit. Always like to give credit to the original source on this podcast when we can. Now let's go back to the star search, which at this point is uh, Paul George and Carmelo. Now, Paul George, I think a lot of us thought for a while the Rockets didn't really have the assets of a lot of teams around the league. Um, and certainly that was even more clear after the Rockets had to use Beverly in the trade for Chris Paul before free agency. All that said, it's stunning to see him go for the low price of Victor Oladipo and Sabonis from Oklahoma City. That's just a stunningly bad trade. I think most of us assume that he might go to Boston. But um, even with that said... If you believe in Sabonis, which I don't, but it's a combination of a two-guard with some promise, you could probably argue that Oladipo has similar value to Eric Gordon, and the Rockets, unless they're willing to include uh, Capella, I don't know if they could offer as much young talent. So even though it's a poor deal for Indiana, I still don't think it's a slam dunk that the Rockets absolutely could have beaten it. It sucks a little bit that he goes to a Western Conference team rather than Boston or some team in the East. I hate you, Danny Ainge, for hoarding the way you do, but uh, aside from that, I wouldn't really sweat it if I'm the Rockets. It never seemed to get that much traction in the Paul George thing, and I know a few people have said, well, I would have traded Gordon Capella. Folks, I wouldn't. I just, I, I see Clint Capella as far too important to the Rockets. 
I don't think Daryl Morey's lying when he says that he believes Clint can develop into a fringe all-star player in time. When you have a young big man that continues to improve with each year, continues to fill out, build more strength, build more stamina, and has such a great attitude, and now the perfect pick-and-roll uh, roll man finisher on the lobs to pair with both James Harden and now Chris Paul, to me, I would not give up Clint Capella, a guy that young with still untapped potential for potentially just one year of Paul George. I wouldn't do it. I'm usually the most aggressive guy out there, and I still wouldn't do it. So I don't have any regrets about not throwing in uh, Clint Capella in, in that package if I'm the Rockets. It does hurt that he goes to Oklahoma City, but I wouldn't lose that much sleep over it because reality is, does Paul George make the Thunder a better team than when they had Victor Oladipo at that spot? Sure he does. But in a related development, Chris Paul makes the Houston Rockets a much better team than when they had Pat Beverly in that same spot. So while it, it'll make the Western Conference even deeper and more of a grind, the Rockets were already eight games better than the Thunder, 55 wins compared to 47, and then beat them four games to one in the playoffs. The Rockets were pretty clearly a tier ahead of the Thunder all season long. And while the Thunder have gotten better with the addition of Paul George, well, you know what? The Rockets got better with the addition of Chris Paul, too. So it's one of those things It's annoying, but the Rockets are still the better team. And even though we know it's going to get hyped up because anything with Russell Westbrook does, and now you pair him with Paul George, at the end of the day, Paul George, he's a good player. He's not a great player. He's a top 15 to top 20 player. We're not talking about a top 5 to 10 difference maker. And he's nowhere near the strength of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, who they just had a year ago. So uh, let's keep it all in perspective. It's a good addition for the Thunder. It unfortunately makes the Western Conference even deeper and more of a grind. But it doesn't put them at the level of the Rockets. Assuming the Rockets, with Chris Paul and James Harden, do not have any major injuries and don't have any unforeseen chemistry issues. I would not worry about the Thunder being a big threat to the Rockets at all. And if anything, it might help because if the Thunder are in that 4-5 slot, which I kind of expect them to be, then maybe, who knows, maybe they can give the Warriors a good run in the second round, and that can even help further bolster the depth of the conference. I don't see the Rockets being passed by the Thunder with this move. That's the main thing I'd put out. It's annoying because certainly it's a below-market deal for a great player, and the Rockets are looking for a third star, but um, it's nothing that makes me overly negative. It's one of those things you roll your eyes and move on. And part of the reason that it's easier for me to move on is because I've always seen Carmelo as the more likely trade target for the Rockets. And the reason, well, there's a lot of reasons. Indiana never seemed to be that impressed by the Rockets packages for whatever reason. The rumors never seemed to get that much traction. But with Chris Paul in Houston, that's a direct Carmelo Anthony tie. We've had rumors both on buyout and trade confirmed by Ian Begley of ESPN yesterday. The Rockets did touch base with the Knicks by trade. There's a relationship there. So to me, that's the more seamless fit for the Rockets who just slide him in as an upgrade over Ryan Anderson at the four spot. And the difficulty, of course, the Knicks are a rebuilding team. I don't know that they want Ryan Anderson at $20 million a year for the, the next three years. And essentially that was a report from ESPN is that uh, the Rockets reached out to the Knicks and the Knicks were not interested in, in Ryan. And without that, there's no real way to make the math work. By the way, down the road, you'd have to wait 60 days, but that's why a guy like even Shumpert is important at $10 million. It at least gives you an opportunity to construct trades like something for Carmelo without having to move Ryan. That said, 
Carmelo has a much lower asking price than Paul George. He also has more of an interest in Houston, if you believe the various reports, and especially his relationship with Chris Paul. So he's more likely to stay over the long haul, as opposed to George, who's a free agent in 2018. So for all those reasons, I've always thought Carmelo was a more likely possibility. Heard from Adam Wexler of uh, NBC in Houston the day of the Chris Paul trade that he had heard the same that they thought they were looking at Carmelo or George to fill out the big three with Carmelo as more likely. That's kind of how I've seen it. And it's tough because without moving Ryan Anderson, it's hard to see a fit for New York. That said, I am not convinced that Ryan Anderson is unmovable. I think a lot of folks just need to be patient. The thing right now, yes, there's been a lot of rumors. It feels like we've all aged in the last 24 hours because of how much drama there is. I get it. But folks, we have not even been 24 hours into free agency this is really, really young. And to me, give it a few days, there's a possibility that Ryan Anderson is going to be movable. Now, I don't think the Knicks are going to be interested in him per se, but smaller market teams, Sacramento, Phoenix, teams like that, watch them. Because when they strike out on the initial wave of free agency, they may be a lot more open to taking Ryan Anderson in a potential three-way trade involving the Rockets and the Knicks. They're not going to give assets, but taking without having the Rockets give two first-run picks or something crazy to move him, take him at close to neutral value would be the way that I would put it. And no one's been willing to do it yet. I know there were a lot of stories this week about, oh, Ryan Anderson would cost at least two first-run picks to move, or he might be unmovable. Well, you're asking teams that on June 30th, right before free agency. Any team is going to prefer unknown potential over Ryan Anderson because we know what Ryan Anderson is. And he's not a bad basketball player. Let's be clear about that. Ryan Anderson is still solid. Even if the Rockets can't move him, he can still be a very solid contributor for the Rockets this next season. I mean, as much as we talk about moving him, I do want to make that clear. It's not because the Rockets are desperate to get rid of him. He's a solid player and he can help them. It's just because of his salary figure, that's about the only way the Rockets can get to the Carmelo or any other star in the modern NBA with the way the salaries are these days and the way the Rockets roster currently is constructed from a salary perspective and the fact that they don't have many fillers. The Rockets do not have to get rid of Ryan Anderson. But because of that, other teams can have value in him too. He can be a very stabilizing presence on a young team trying to build. It's just you are not going to commit to him on June 30th because what happens if you get really lucky? And stuff like that does happen. Think two years ago, the Suns were a very good team and the Suns almost beat the Spurs for LaMarcus Aldridge. Remember how crazy that was? This stuff happens. No one is going to commit to Ryan Anderson before free agency because everyone wants to at least take their shot at those guys and see what happens. The Suns, until yesterday, had a meeting with Blake Griffin and it looked like he was going to take them seriously. So why would you pass that up to go after Ryan Anderson? You have to do your due diligence. That said, when the market dries up, which it is starting to do and only do more in two or three days, then Ryan Anderson might be more palatable because A, you've given a shot at better options and they're not there. And B, the other thing to consider, people are going to make a big deal out of Ryan Anderson three years, 60 million. Well, folks, it's kind of at this point like two years, $40 million. Because in terms of the relevance of these $20 million in space he will occupy on the 2017-2018 salary cap for whatever team he's on, a big part of that relevance has already gone because so many of the free agents have already signed. Or, well, committed to sign, but you guys know how it is. So the point is, three years, $60 million, that figure's a little misleading because if you do it after the start of free agency... 
I won't say that salaries are irrelevant because in theory, if you're under the cap, yeah, you could use that cap space to absorb someone in a trade at the deadline, although it's still unlikely for a star of any significance to get shipped to a Sacramento, Phoenix, some team like that during the season. But I guess there's always some potential that you have to account for. But the bottom line is it's not a full three years anymore. Once this initial wave of free agents goes by, it's really two at most like two and a half. So in addition to Ryan being a potential stabilizing presence and still a quality player, the salary is not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be because one of those three years that he would be on the books for will have already largely been spoken for with the signing of these free agents who will have passed up on Sacramento, Phoenix, or whoever the Rockets target. So that's why I urge you guys to stay patient. I think the most likely route to a star if the Rockets can get it done is Carmelo. But I think ultimately the Knicks want salary cap relief. They don't want Ryan Anderson. So I think the key is finding a third team that you can move Ryan Anderson to. And I don't think that team exists today. But there might be a chance in a day or two that that can happen. And I don't think that many teams are beating down the Knicks doors for Carmelo. I don't think there are that many teams that Carmelo would waive his no trade clause for, by the way. So I would urge you guys to stay patient. All these rumors, I know we all live and die. It's day one. It's a lot of fun. But folks, it is just day one. There's more time. So let the Rockets use that time. Let Daryl Morey continue to explore the market and things might turn out a little bit better than they look right now. And as I said earlier, Folks, don't make a big deal out of the Amon Shumpert thing. That's completely independent from the search the Rockets are doing for a potential third star to pair with James Harden and Chris Paul. For that, I think Carmelo is easily the top target right now, but the viability of that or anyone else, I mean, it could be Daryl Morey has someone that's not even rumored. He could have someone completely off the beaten path in mind, but it for any of those guys, the key is going to be moving Ryan Anderson because at a bare minimum, you're probably going to be talking about acquiring a guy with 18 to $20 million in salary, if not more than that. And so the guy, the non-guaranteed you're moving for Amon Shumpert or whatever happens with the mid-level exception and whether you have to use that for Nene. Yeah, you know, little things have relevance, but it, it's not correlated much, if any, with the big picture goal of adding a third star to this team. So take it for what it is. That would be my advice as we chat just before 6 p.m. on this first day of free agency. So, whew, almost 40 minutes. I hope that's enough of an update. And sad thing is I know as soon as I hit publish, Iguodala is going to make his decision official, then the Rockets will do the Shumpert thing, or something else will come out of left field. So if you're listening to this and stuff has changed, just understand I'm trying to do the best I can, folks. I've given you a summary, as I said, between five and six on Saturday where things stand now. But hopefully this gives you just a little bit of an overview of the landscape and how I see it. Joe Chi is in the fold. That's the thing we know. I also think it's pretty safe to say that Nene will be back. It's just a matter of will he use the mid-level exception or will he still be able to get... um, money he needs with the non-bird amount, which will let the Rockets use their mid-level exception on another rotation piece. Hopefully he'll settle for the non-bird, not at four years. We'll have to wait and see on that. That's the biggest thing I would encourage you guys to watch over the near term. That, of course, and the Amon Shumpert and Andre Iguodala situation. Those are the very near-term dominoes that seem poised to fall over literally the next few hours. Beyond that, I'd say starting the next, you know, July 2nd, 3rd, 4th, maybe the Rockets can get some traction on Ryan Anderson, which in turn could be the catalyst for something to heat up involving Carmelo or some other star. Um, I haven't even mentioned Serge Ibaka, but it's the same principle there. You'd have to have 
the, th- the not the Thunder, geez, excuse me, Toronto willing to do a trade in all likelihood, and then it's not like they would be interested in acquiring Ryan themselves, so you'd have to find the third team on the line. So any scenario you can come up with, I'm sure there are other stars that some of you are interested in that I haven't mentioned yet. I'm just mentioning Carmelo and Ibaka because there has been a loose correlation between the Rockets to those guys um, in the last few days. But whatever it is, moving Ryan Anderson is the key to do that. So that would be the next few days, not so much today, although you never know with Daryl Morey, uh, anything can break at any time. So as always, stay tuned. Anyway, for now, I will um, sign off and get ready for this podcast to get quickly outdated by Daryl Morey. Um, if you're not already following me on Twitter, please do. I'm at Ben DuBose. The show is at Lockdown Rockets. Also, email us, LockdownRockets at gmail.com. Questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the Houston Rockets fan. As far as everything else moving forward, like I said, uh, just stay tuned. That's something I've said about 10 dozen times on this podcast. I feel like that's all you really can say. We're the home for daily podcast coverage, and as soon as things break, we'll be there for you shortly thereafter. It's a holiday weekend, well, more or less, because I know a lot of people are taking a four-and-a-half-day weekend to get ready for uh, the 4th of July, which is on Tuesday, but... I'll be there with you guys, and if and when things break, I will have a show for you as quickly as I can. So hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and we'll be talking again very soon when some of these questions hopefully get answered.